You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hope you had a great weekend, a safe weekend, a healthy weekend. Can't say that about a lot of people, but uh, come on in, stay a while. We got football this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow. Best and worst of the weekend, as we always do every Monday. What you saw that you liked, you didn't like. This program brought to you by the great folks at Masterclass. You want to cook like Gordon Ramsay? You want to sing like Mariah Carey? Masterclass, unlimited access to online classes from the world's best. Now you can give one annual Masterclass membership. Get one free. Masterclass.com slash Patrick. Terms do apply. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. Poll question, play of the day, stat of the day, all of that forthcoming. The countdown is on the final week of McLovin. Thursday will be his last show. Let's wait until Thursday if you'd like to call in and say goodbye to McLovin. No need to drag this out. And you can stay on hold if you want to until Thursday. (laughs) Marvin will take those phone calls and just leave you on hold if you'd like to say goodbye to McLovin on Thursday. Yes, McLovin? I have a friend who's tried to call in and said Marvin shut him down. Wait a minute. First of all, you said you had a friend. Uh, Associate. Okay. And you're accusing Marvin. Yeah. Said he did it very politely, though. Okay. My friend Sully. But but did Sully say that he wanted to say something nice about you and then Marvin said no, not today? Basically, in so many words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've communicated with Sully before and I wouldn't let him on the air either. Okay. Yes, Paul. Tell Sully to tell Marvin that I got something bad to say about Todd. He'll go to the top of the list. That's how Marvin <laughs> Ooh, ooh. Okay. Yeah, McLovin. Sully's the guy who came up to you in France. He wanted to call to talk about that. Now, do you remember he came up to you and said, I listen to the show all the time. I'm... Uh, I loved your segment with Ryan Leaf. You were in the graveyard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. didn't appreciate Sully. <laughs> Just letting you know. He's a number one fan of the show. I okay. mean, he's okay. huge, Okay, huge I'm fan. on vacation. I'm, I'm at the cemetery, you know, for, you know, all of the military men who died in France. So they're doing taps. It's five o'clock and they're lowering the flag. I'm crying. It's emotional. I got some guy who walks up and goes, uh, hey. 6'5", 220. <laughs> no, he goes, <laughs> he goes uh, hey, uh, get a picture when this is done? Oh, <laughs> You're kidding. No. No, they are playing. T- I have the video. I'm videotaping them taking down <laughs> the American flag at the cemetery. Hey, Dan, real quick. What do you think of Kirk Cousins? Is that yeah, the answer, yeah, Minnesota? Yeah. <laughs> So I'm, you know, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. What well, was, and uh, I got this guy behind me, and then I, I said, "Not now, like not I, now." I got to ask you, is Fritzy really like that? <laughs> Just a quick question. <laughs> yeah. So Sully, no, I don't want Sully. Marvin, don't have Sully call in. You're not allowed to. He Sully is barred. Are you have to let him. He's literally the number one fan of this show. They were playing taps. Uh, That's Dan, how big a fan he they is. They were bringing our flag down. Dan, one thing, uh, my calendar had two Februarys in it. Can you get that adjusted? <laughs> Thanks. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not big on Sully. I'm I'm sullied on Sully. After the ceremony, can you sign my calendar? I actually brought it to France in my carry-on bag. <laughs> yes. I mean, we won the war. What else do you want? Oh, my God. Uh, Dan, what, what happened to Chris in Syracuse? Did you still talk to him? Uh, and then my wife goes, what did he say? I said, he wanted to get a picture. And she goes, here? And I said, yes. There's probably 100 people surrounding this flagpole <laughs> at the cemetery. You're not making this up. I swear to God, Paulie, I'll, I'll, I have the video. I have it still on my phone. You might even be able to hear Sully go, hey, uh, can I get a picture? As I'm videotaping this, they're bringing our flag down. On these hallowed grounds, <laughs> 80 years ago. At the cemetery. Uh, six four two twenty. Can I get a ding? Yeah. <laughs> First time, long time. Yeah, McLovin. Sully. <laughs> at least let him explain his thinking at the cemetery. 
Okay. If if Sully wants to call in and not say anything nice about you, but just explain when they're playing taps and bringing down our flag at this cemetery, this pristine cemetery in France, those who were there on D-Day, those who were there gave their lives. It's so emotional. And I got this guy going, hey, uh, when it's all said and done, can I get a picture? Yes, Paul. Sully can't do it today. He's sitting outside Jim Rome's house waiting for an autograph when he mm. takes his kids to school. Mm. No. <laughs> <sighs> Phone calls, well, except for Sully, always welcome. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle, dpshow. Say good morning to Fox Sports Radio. Carries this program. Uh, nearly 400 cities around America. And uh, Peacock, our streaming partner. I'm discombobulated. You threw me off my game, McLovin. Just like Sully did. Yes. <laughs> I feel like Tom Brady last night. Lost. You're going to be in the middle of a really dramatic take, and I'll be like, uh, Dan, did you want a poll result right now? Raiders, Browns today, Vikings, Bears tonight, Tuesday, Seahawks, Rams, Washington, and the Eagles. NBA players are out due to COVID. They're signing replacement players. It's like the NBA is out. You know, I was wondering about this with the NFL. You know, the NFL got the most out of this football weekend that they probably could, given the COVID breakouts. They're going to need a couple more days to get through the Week 15 schedules. I mentioned it's Raiders-Browns this afternoon. That's at 5 o'clock. Washington football team in the Eagles, Seahawks and Rams, that's Tuesday. But, you know, when the games start, there's normalcy. And I know it's a bit of an illusion, but you did see some critical wins by, you know, potential playoff teams. Steelers, Bengals, Niners, Colts, Dolphins kept their postseason alive. You got 28 teams who still have a mathematical chance to make the playoffs. As the NFL might say, that's great for business. The Packers beat the Ravens in a thriller. They're looking for that number one seed in the NFC. Certainly helped that Arizona lost. And, of course, the Buccaneers did. The Lions beating the Cardinals. Saints shutting out the Buccaneers. Pick one which was more surprising. I would say the Saints shutting out the Bucks and doing it in Tampa. Whereas the Lions beating the Cardinals. And I know the Cardinals keep saying, hey, we're not the Cardinals of last year where we basically fell apart down the stretch. But we'll see. But get ready for afternoon football. I was wondering, as controversial as this would sound, they should take away the last weekend of football, the regular season, if they truly care about getting everybody healthy for the postseason. How about you take away week 17, and then you could still have your Super Bowl when you're going to have it in the playoffs, but... I think we're getting to that point where it's going to be hard to field teams that actually look like NFL teams and quarterbacks and who's going to play and who can't, um, you know, the NFL is Remember, the NFL said, Hey, we're not forfeiting games. Okay. But you're going to adjust the schedule where you might accommodate the Washington football team, maybe more than you need to, and that will penalize the Eagles, who then play, you know, you go from Tuesday to Saturday. So that's not fair. Not fair to the Eagles. That Washington football team, they had one player didn't get vaccinated, and everybody, you know, caught COVID from him. So there's no punishment? Hey, we're just going to move it. No no forfeiture? I, I have a problem with that. Um, you know, you have to have teams held accountable, not, um, all right, you guys want to play, uh, I don't know, Wednesday at uh, 8.15 in the morning? Like, what are we doing? You're trying to accommodate everybody. Is there a rule? Are they going to enforce the rule? That's what I'd be curious about. But I'd take away the last week of the regular season. I know it's all about money, and they'll slap a team together to get out there, but I think we're getting to that point where we're kind of teetering on the brink. All right, phone calls are welcome. McLovin, what's the poll question today? Okay, we're going to start with a Tampa Bay Buccaneers poll. Uh, which would you bet on? If you had to bet on one of these, the Bucs win the Super Bowl or the Bucs lose their first playoff game? Wow. Which is more likely? 
Um, I'm going to say that they win the Super Bowl is more likely. I mean, this just felt messy to start with. Gronk had some drops. You had injuries to Evans and Godwin and Fournette. The Saints have their number. They were getting frustrated. Um, Now, did I expect Brady to get shut out? No. But they never got any kind of rhythm whatsoever. And, uh, you know, the Saints were a desperate team. That was was their season last night. But Tampa's going to bring back Antonio Brown. You'll get healthier. You got three weeks left to go. And I said this on Thursday or Friday that, All Tom Brady has to do is win the game and have a nice game, and he'll win the MVP. Now, given how Aaron Rodgers played, Jonathan Taylor played, I guess if you want to throw Patrick Mahomes in there, maybe. But you've got maybe, you know, Brady is still the leader. And then I'd put Rodgers in there and Jonathan Taylor. Absolutely. Cliff Kingsbury, you're not the coach of the year if you go to Detroit and get blown out. You know who deserves consideration? It's going to sound crazy. Dan Campbell, the Lions. Man, that dude, he is positive. He never stops. He, he you know, you, you hear the passion that he really, really cares. And you juxtapose that to Urban Meyer. And Urban Meyer came in with status, Dan Campbell's never had status, never had it as a player, never had it as a coach. He was just a tough guy. But that's the guy you want to play for, even though he hasn't proven himself to be a good coach or great coach. You know, Urban's won. But Dan Campbell's approach is that's what I want to play for because it feels real. And as far as Urban goes, Urban did an interview with Ian Rappaport uh, Ian's going to join us coming up next hour. We'll talk to him about it because Urban seemed like he's still shifting the blame here. And I don't know if this is a rehab tour for him. Is he going to get paid? Jags owner Shad Khan says he's not going to pay Urban Meyer. Okay. I'd like to know what the cause is. Because if you say it's he kicked one of our former players, Josh Lambeau, that happened in August. Why didn't you fire him then? If that team has six wins right now, is Urban Meyer fired for cause? So I'd like to know what cause we're talking about, unless there's something that's hidden there where they say we're not paying Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer goes, yeah, that's right, they're not going to pay me. I get the feeling that this story's not over with and that, you're probably going to have some kind of settlement there. At least it feels that way. He said nice things about Jacksonville, said nice, nice things about Shad Khan, but then you hear that Shad Khan doesn't want to pay Urban Meyer. But, you know, Urban talked uh, really about the culture, you know, that basically everybody's soft. You know, coaches are soft and players are soft and not just in the NFL. And, you know, you know, Urban is kind of living in a, in a different era. This is the way we used to treat players and coaches. Well, if that's the case, then maybe they are softer. Or maybe they just don't want to put up with nonsense. They want to be treated as humans, as grown-ups. And he wasn't doing that to them. But we'll talk to Ian Rappaport about that conversation with Urban Meyer. And does he coach again? I guess that'll be part of the rehab tour. Maybe just goes back to Fox uh, and works with their pregame show. All right, we'll come up with a poll question. We will get to phone calls. A lot of phone calls. Everybody but Sully is allowed to call in. Sully. I forgot that he was your friend. I came back and told you guys that story, that I met this guy (laughs) who had no sensitivity whatsoever. During the commercial break, I, I will play. I'll get it off my phone. I am. You can hear them playing taps. You might even hear Sully over my shoulder. Hey, uh, can I get a picture when this uh, thing is done here? They're playing taps. Hey, Sully. Uh, yeah, sure. You want to come by on a meet Friday? Yeah. Did you get my ornament? I sent in the <laughs> 2009, the first year you guys did the Christmas tree. I'm the guy that sent in the uh, ornament. Let's take a break here. Okay, let's let's regroup here. 
damn, you ruined my day, McLovin. I didn't know you knew this guy. Forgot all about that. Number one fan. Was number one fan. Everybody else just moved above him. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. He is Rick Stroud and he covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the uh, Tampa Bay Times, and he joins us on the program. What the hell happened last night, Rick? I don't know, but I think it means they're going to win the Super Bowl because the last two times they did that, they got swept by the Saints in the regular season. So, you know, nothing's changed. But is this – how big is is this locally? Because nationally it it feels like, all right, just like a – aberration all right so they had a bad night here they don't do well against the saints does the sky fall in tampa when something like this happens i think it does from this standpoint i mean they lost their top two receivers right and they're leading running back so that is not a small thing i mean chris godwin has a sprained mcl he's not coming back uh anytime soon some of these guys might be out until the postseason um you know and now you know, the seeding is they're not going to get the number one seed. So if they make it to the championship game, they're going to have to pack the thermals, go back to Green Bay and do all that over again. This was a, a pretty seismic loss to a team that has owned them. I mean, Brady's 0-4 uh, in the regular season since he's been here with the Bucks, And they've got the formula on defense to take down this Tampa Bay team. Antonio Brown is coming back. Why? Well, so much for the last strike rule, right? Yeah. It's because the, the umpire is Tom Brady, right? I mean, Bruce Arians said one more, so it doesn't matter. And what better time to get a receiver back than when you've lost your top two guys? They said they would do what's best for the football team, and that means Antonio Brown because they're down to him and Brashard Perriman, who was off uh, with the COVID. He's the guy that was the, the game-winning touchdown in overtime you know, against the Bills. So, really, those are their top two receivers right now. The other guys didn't do anything, and Gronk, had maybe one of the worst games I've seen him play. I mean, he had 11 targets, just two catches, dropped a ton of footballs. So they're desperate right now for some guys that can catch the ball for Tom Brady. What's New Orleans do that very few teams, if any other teams, can do to Tom Brady? Well, what they're able to do is lock down their outside receivers in man coverage. They play really good tight man coverage. Marshawn Lattimore has had a a running battle for years with Mike Evans. He does a really good job. So it's a lot of combat catches, a lot of close, tight throws. They're able to rush four guys and, and, and impact the quarterback. You know, Cam Jordan had an unbelievable day. He seems to do that every time they play. Mario Davis and Quan Alexander are very active. They can blitz them on third down. And then they can play cover two with the two high safety so you don't get anything over the top. So it's really the perfect plan against the Bucs, and, and, you know, they, they were not executing very well, to say the least. You know, you got guys who are sore losers, but they say they're ultra competitive. <laughs> you know, Urban Meyer brought this up in his interview with Ian Rappaport. You know, Tom Brady is not a gracious loser. Um, no. Anybody have a problem with that? Well, only probably not because he's such a terrific winner. I mean, he's won more than anybody, but you're right. I mean, uh, barking at Dennis Allen on the sidelines. Uh, I think he, you know, he had intentional grounding on a surface on, on his own bench and, and threw one of those down. He is not a guy you want to be around when he loses games. Uh, he has said this before that, you know, winning to him now at this stage with the expectations is more of a relief uh, than it is much of a joy. And losing, it just eats at him alive. And I don't want to put him in the Urban Meyer category. I mean, he doesn't walk around like that. Um, he'll get over it pretty well and he'll focus on the next game, but he's miserable when he loses because he's just not used to doing it. We had Bruce Arians on last week and he said that this year was supposed to be the Super Bowl year, not last year. Do you think he still feels that way? Well, I think he's glad he won one, uh, you know, because it worked out for him and they wouldn't have gone on the road this year and, and, you know, played in front of half empty stadiums. I mean, it worked out for them that they were the road team and did that. Um, you know, they brought back the 22 starters, but every year is different, Dan. They were lucky with injuries. They've been decimated in the secondary with it this year. Now you've lost a couple of receivers on offense where they've been pretty healthy all year. Um, so this is why it's so hard to repeat. You know, it's just hard to win one, much less two. 
doesn't matter who your quarterback is, but they're not out of this thing. They'll have a say uh, in the postseason. They need to win one more game. They got the Panthers twice and the Jets in between them. They're going to win the NFC South, I believe. And then they got to hope that they get a home game or two and uh, we'll have to go on the road and win a championship. If I said you had to bet on one, the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl or the Buccaneers lose their first playoff game? Well, I mean, it's so hard to win a Super Bowl. I would say the first playoff game. And the way it's trending right now, you know, you may see the New Orleans Saints back in Tampa Bay. I mean, you just don't know. You know, they're not out of it either. So depending on the matchup, um, before this game, it would have been the Washington football team. They've struggled against Tyler Heideke. They lost to him uh, up there in the regular season. They didn't play well in the postseason against them. So uh, anything can happen when you get in these uh, these tournaments. But Brady's been pretty good uh, after winning Super Bowls. He's gotten back to a few of them. He's he's you know gotten to the championship game almost every time when he's defended one of these. So uh, I think they'll do well in the playoffs, but. Yeah, just to, to say they're going to go back-to-back, that hasn't happened since Tom did it. So I would definitely take the, the losing in the first round. Talking to Rick Stroud, he covers the Bucs for the Tampa Bay Times. He broke the Antonio Brown story. Was that a month ago? Um, yeah. How did you hear about it? Or what did you hear at the time about Antonio Brown and his vaccination card? Well, you know, Antonio Brown has a habit of not paying people uh, that he owes. And uh, that's sort of how it came to us. You know, uh, there there was a chef in Los Angeles. Uh, he had been part of Antonio's entourage. He was more than a chef. He invited him to live in Tampa. Uh, you know, he trusted him with his girlfriend, his car and his house key. And I wouldn't do that with anybody. But, um, you know, when he didn't pay him, uh, he tried to collect. He was unsuccessful, but he had a story to tell. And the story was that you know, Antonio Brown had been seeking and, and obtained a fake vaccination card. Turned out it was actually three players, including John Franklin, who's a free agent. And we know Mike Edwards was involved in that. Um, the Bucks didn't really want to hear about it. Um, you know, these cards are hard to verify, but they were all from a county that's 80 miles north of Tampa. They couldn't get their story straight, Dan, or they would have gotten away with it. Um, you know, Antonio said he went up there by himself. He didn't. Uh, or he did go by himself and the other guys, you know, would have gone on the same day. That didn't make any sense. So they took their punishment. They took the three games rather than make it a longer suspension. And now they're going to be back and they desperately need them. But it was just a, you know, I mean, Antonio Brown has, has a history of doing what's in Antonio Brown's best interest. He did not keep the team safe. He got COVID in week two. That's the thing I think people forget that he was actually infected with this virus and could have gotten somebody very sick, including, uh, you know, 69-year-old Bruce Arians or an 80-something-year-old Tom Moore. So it was not a good thing. If Tampa won last night and didn't have injuries to their wide receivers, would Antonio Brown be on the roster today? I think he would. I okay. think they made that decision. And, Dan, it's just simple. I, I don't know how else to say this. What Tom Brady wants, he is going to get. So long as he's here, if Tom Brady wants Antonio Brown on the roster, I'm not sure what he would do short of a suspension that would keep him off of it. They owe Tom Brady, right? He put a trophy in their case, almost tossed it in the river, but he gave these guys uh, increases in their salaries, um, you know, contract extensions. They're indebted to him. The ownership loves him. And, you know, look, he's brought in Gronkowski, Fournette, Antonio Brown. Those are his guys, and they're the ones that helped them win a Super Bowl last year. I think they all caught touchdown passes or scored one. So uh, Tom Brady's running the show here. Make no mistake about it. Always great to talk to you, Rick. Thank you. Great work on uh, the Antonio Brown story as well. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can see the Raiders-Browns airing tonight at 5 Eastern on NFL Network. You can follow Ian Rappaport on Twitter at RapSheet, and he joins us now. Ian, before we get to Urban Meyer, I brought up something in the first hour that I don't know if the NFL would consider taking away the final regular season of 
uh, of games to have everybody have that opportunity to get ready for the playoffs. Is there, are there anything, is there anything drastic that's on the table here with uh, COVID? No, I mean, to me, it seems like what the drastic things are over, right? Like last week was pretty drastic and it was, there was a lot of flashbacks from last year. Um, a lot of, is this game going to be rescheduled? What's it going to mean? When are they going to play this? Everyone's on short rest. Teams are unhappy. COVID ruining everything. Like that felt like, you know, that like Thursday, Friday last week felt like last year. And I had like heart palpitations. It was not fun because um, last year sucked. But uh, based on the way the NFL has adjusted the COVID-19 protocols, based on um, the threshold now where it's easier for guys to test out, based on the testing being more symptom-based rather than just testing every fully vaccinated asymptomatic person, it seems like these will probably be the only postponements we'll have. So I, I think the NFL is probably in a pretty decent spot. I just didn't think it was fair to the Eagles that the Washington football team didn't take care of business. And now you're going to put that on a Tuesday and then you're going to make the Eagles play on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hear you, but do we know that the Washington football team didn't take care of business? Like that's, that's kind of my sort of my response, I guess you would say is like, it's COVID. It seems to be transmitting way faster than anyone imagined. And I don't know that anyone did anything wrong. Like I haven't heard that. Washington didn't follow the protocols. I mean, remember, there are, for, for fully vaccinated players, there are no masks in buildings. It could literally be one guy going to see his family or someone's wife or something testing positive, bringing it into the facility, and that's that. Like that's So I don't know they did anything wrong. I don't know that the Browns did anything wrong. I think it's just COVID, and COVID sucks. When did you get word that Urban Meyer wanted to or would allow to uh, have you ask him questions? Uh, so it was actually a little surreal, I have to say. So I, you know, you always check in, you always call, it's always worth it. Right. So when I got the feeling that things were going bad, um, I got the feeling that he might get fired. Um, I reached out, heard nothing. And then I called on Friday morning, just doing my due diligence. You never know, maybe he wants to talk. So I call him nothing, no response. Um, I texted him. I said, like, hey, it might be a long shot, but I'd love to talk to you if you want to talk. So he calls me back and he says, hey, you know, yeah, I'm really disappointed. Um, you know, it's frustrating. I love Jacksonville. And I kind of stop and I'm like, are we, can I interview? Like, is this an interview? Because he started, kind of started in like it's an interview. And I'm like, can I interview? And he was like, you know, what, what did you have in mind? I'm like, getting your feelings on, getting fired. And he was like, all right. And then I, I was like, can I record you? Because I didn't want to screw up any of the quotes. And he's like, that's fine. So then I have an app on my phone, which I haven't used in a while. So I had to download it again while I'm on the phone with him <laughs> while he's awkwardly waiting. And I'm like, I'm really sorry. He's like, it's okay. I'm walking on the beach. I'm like, all right, that's nice. So then we talked for 25 minutes. I asked everything I wanted to ask. Um, he commented on almost everything except the legal situation with his contract. And then that was it. But it was, I mean, I cannot honestly say I was expecting to call him to him to call me back, but here we were. Why was he fired? It, he actually summed that up really well for me. So we're kind of going through things, we're talking, and he was like, you know, look, there's always a reason someone answers the phone or someone calls back, right? If there's, I'm not, you know, holding him down and forcing him to talk to me, there's clearly something he wanted to say. So at some point he said, look, here's the main point. We tried really hard and we failed. And I was like, yeah, that is what it is. Because there are plenty of coaches who treat people not great. There are player, coaches who yell at players. There are coaches who treat who are very hard on their assistants, right? Um, and that's a, kind of a technique where you're really hard on your assistants so you don't have to be hard on your players, right? Um, in the end, he wasn't a good enough football coach because has he had he been better than – we wouldn't be in this situation. All this stuff would have been just kind of stuff, but like he kind of stopped being an X's and O's coach several years ago. He's more of a culture builder. He's more of a CEO type coach. I don't think in the end, his assistant coaches didn't do a good enough job. He didn't do a good enough job. And then, then he got fired. But when you get fired for cause, are you, is the cause you're a bad coach? No. Um, although 
I'm not going to, anyway, um, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Um, no, he got fired for cause because of several specific incidents. There was the incident with Josh Lambo, which he has denied. There's the incident with a woman who was not his wife at a bar in Columbus, which you can't deny was on video. Um, and then, you know, there were, there were the other reports and all that. But firing for cause is a legal move, I guess you would say. I don't know. That's not really the right word, but to not pay it. So I would imagine they will go into negotiations now to come up with some sort of settlement where he will leave with a certain amount of money that will probably be less than he was originally scheduled to get paid. But if you're wondering about the timing, which I think everyone was wondering about, to me, the best way I could sum it up was they knew they were going to fire him. It was obvious he was gone at the end of the season. So if you're going to do that, just fire him now and then the story stop. Yeah, but with Lambeau, that's in August. Is, you know, whatever you want to call it in a bar in Columbus, like those, are those fireable offenses? And, it, and if it was that bad in August, why not fire him then? If this team has six wins, Ian, okay, is he fired? Probably not. Probably not. Because it, it, let's say they had six wins. That would be an improvement. And let's say you had some moments from Trevor Lawrence where, like, he looks like he's kind of getting in and being the guy you want him to be. Probably not fired. To me, this is like he wasn't – they did not think he was a good enough football coach. He didn't win enough games. And then there was all the other stuff. So it's like, let's just do this now. We get the stories to stop. Fire him for cause. And then, you know, you almost always in this situation you settle. I mean, even John Gruden settled, right? Um, so with the Raiders, not with the NFL. Um, so I think that's kind of the situation here is just do it now, make this bad story stop and start the process of replacing him. Get the feeling Urban wants to coach again? Uh, I didn't get that feeling. He said to me that, you know, he was kind of going through it and I could sort of see his mind churning a little bit. He was like, you know, I had the perfect life before this and then Shad recruited me and he meant so much to me and he really did have the perfect life. I mean, you know, not all TV jobs are, are the same. Um, some of us have to work every day, as you know, um, but he didn't, he only worked on Saturdays and he was on Fox. And so like, would I be surprised if he was back on Fox talking about college football? Like I wouldn't be surprised. Um, what is going to be interesting is, you know, there are a lot of great college football jobs filled this year, but like, let's say next year, one of those really good jobs comes open. I don't know if he's going to be tempted because I don't think he ended up, I didn't think he thought he was going to be tempted by the Jaguars, but he was. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. And I talked to somebody at Fox over the weekend and they're like, Hey, you know, we would welcome him back. I yeah. Do, I heard that too. Yeah. I'm just curious if, uh, like it's hard to go out this way. It's like a player doesn't want to go out, you know, losing, you know, does he want to go out with his reputation or legacy with this attached to it? And that's what I always wonder if if he's and he's not old. What is he? Fifty seven. He's just been he's just been a great coach for so long, you know, so it's like I'm a Mets fan. They hired Buck Showalter and I'm like, wow, he must be like 80. But he's but he's not. Yeah, he just has done it. He was he was an older looking coach for the Yankees. And he was like thirty five. Um, so I. I don't know the answer to that question. I know this didn't leave a great taste in his mouth. And I was surprised at how much he talked about just failing. Like he was, it was very matter of fact. You know, sometimes you sort of feel like during interviews, and I'm sure you've been through this, you feel like you sort of have to dance around some things. Like this wasn't that at all. He was real upfront with getting fired and not doing a good enough job, you know? Yeah, I, I wondered about that. But, you know, what can you say and how, how – usually you're going to know early on in an interview and you're like, oh, okay, you know, we, we can go there. Or I, I feel like yeah. I got the green light here a little bit. And, and maybe he just well, yeah. wanted to explain and get it off. You know, he wanted people to hear his side. And I wonder about the Josh Lambeau story, though, Ian, because I don't know if that's one of those where, you know, you, you kick him, but you're not really – you're just – Hey, come on! Now make go out there and make some damn kicks or whatever. I I don't. Did he explain his side of that? You know, did he kick the kicker? Um, he he denied it. Um, you know, the more I 
the more I delve into the situation, and I think what he denied was the specific way that Josh Lambeau illustrated it in the uh, in the Tampa newspaper, Tampa Bay Times, right? In the Tampa Bay Times, you know, I, I have no doubt that he came over and called him something, and especially because I think at that point, and this is like. I still honestly think he's trying to learn who everybody was. So like, did he have a nickname for the kicker? Like probably, you know, that's just the way he's always been. So like, did he come over, tap him on the butt with his shoe and say like, come on, whatever, like make some kicks. Probably did. Uh, probably trying to build a little rapport. Clearly it did not work. Uh, clearly Lambo was, you know, didn't, was not feeling it, you know, and I think maybe not everybody likes to be called names like that, but I'm just, this is not, I'm not, I'm not explaining it away. This is not that I'm just saying logistically, if you kick a player and it's during stretching and there's media there and there's fans there and everyone is watching and other players, I just imagine there'll be some large reaction than everyone finding out a couple months later. Talking to Ian Rappaport and a national insider for the NFL network. Uh, Any further updates on Deshaun Watson? No, um, he is he is languishing uh, on the active roster. He is inactive. Um, the next legal checkpoint, I believe, is depositions, which should be in February or March, unless the cases get settled. And you know, he was not traded to the Dolphins because he was not able to settle his uh, twenty plus cases in the off season. You know, I would imagine he gets traded. I don't know the timing of it, but there's going to be more. The whole off season is going to be about quarterbacks. Like last offseason was, this is going to be the offseason I think we were supposed to have because we could have several big-time guys on the move. I think he does get on the move. And a lot, I mean, so many teams, so many teams need quarterbacks in a draft where you're going to get some, but you're not going to get all the answers. Is Baker Mayfield playing tonight? He is not, no. Uh, I think Baker Mayfield thought he was going to play. He posted on the old Instagram that he thought he was going to play. A couple minutes ago, I think actually right before we started, they announced their final transactions before the game. Um, John Johnson, the safety, comes off the list, so he's playing. But Baker, no. Case Keenum, no. So uh, a lot of Nick Mullins, who (laughs) the last time we saw him on a national stage was balling out. Um, We'll see if he can resurrect his career today. Look at you selling it. Great. It is exclusive on NFL Network. Now, is that the reason I'm selling Nick Mullins? No, it's like a coincidence. I'm just saying it's, it's going to okay. be a great game. Yeah, of course it is. And it's uh, exclusively on the NFL Network yeah. at 5 Eastern. Tune in. Uh, great job, Ian. Thank you. Appreciate your time. All right. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having That's, me. That's uh, Ian Rappaport, National Insider for the NFL Network and NFL.com. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Former NFL quarterback, of course, Heisman Trophy winner at USC, Carson Palmer, joining us on the program. Carson, I want you to listen to Bill Belichick this morning and tell me if this sounds like the Bill Belichick that you know. Look, fellas, I apologize if, you know, I seemed like I was a little short with you after the game. Um, you know, obviously a frustrating game. Down 20 to nothing, didn't do anything well enough. I mean, there isn't really much to say at that point without watching the film. Clearly, we had problems in every area. So, you know, there was no no simple answer and you know every play could have been better every every area of coaching could have could have been better every area of playing could have been better and any of that would have helped so um carson who is that guy that, that's steve belichick isn't that his son apologizing <laughs> to the media bill doesn't apologize to the media he doesn't even acknowledge the media most of the time i can't believe i just heard that yeah, I, I don't know what happened. Like, of all the times when he's disrespectful to the media, whatever happened when they lost to the Colts, that made him like, the, oh, you know, I got to apologize to the media. Well, it is the first time he's lost to the Colts in a solid two or three decades. So <laughs> maybe just something came over him and some, some emotions came over him that he just wasn't quite sure how to handle and how to let out. Did you see Brady during the game last night go over to Dennis Allen? 
who was filling in for Sean Payton, and and he basically says, bleep you. Like he has an exchange with him. How often does that happen? It's only happened a handful of times. The New York Giants got a, a, a certain level of frustration out of Brady a couple different times in Super Bowls. And last night, I mean, they – they couldn't move the ball unless they were throwing little tiny short passes. And obviously with all the injuries they had at, at outside with their receiving core. Um, but I mean, you saw it a little bit last year in the Super Bowl with Tyron Matthew when he got frustrated with Tyron down in the red zone. You saw it last night. I mean, they, they put up zero points against a, a very average to below average uh, team in New Orleans. I know that defense is good, but I mean, that, that that's the kind of Brady, um, you know, that that those exclamation points, those bleep you things, you just don't typically see unless you really frustrate him. You hit him, you make him move off of his spot in, in the pocket. And that's what New Orleans did all night long. They kept him frustrated. He wasn't on his game. They weren't on their game in Tampa. And that defense just, they, they just continued to eat as the night went on and, and held him to zero points. Have you ever yelled at an opposing coach during a game? I'm sure I have. I'm, I'm sure I have multiple times. It's just hard to actually get caught where, where you can actually mouth and see and see the words that, that you're saying to that individual. That very rarely happens. But, you know, we you've seen it, it happen. I, I've seen it happen during games with Brady where he's yelling and screaming at, at guys. That's the intensity you want from your quarterback. That's the intensity uh, you want out of the guys you're lining up in the huddle. You just don't want to get caught on TV with the bleep you. But can you play mad at that position? If anybody can, it's Brady. I mean, Brady's played in just about every mindset throughout the years, uh, throughout his career. It's a little bit harder. Uh, you know, when, when you're exchanging words on the sideline and just when you're throwing out the, the end of that bleep, the CK of that bleep, your headset starts coming in and here comes the next play. So you got to really quickly reload, get whatever thoughts in, that are in your head uh, out so that you can hear that next play because you, you know, now you're on the play clock. You only have 25 seconds to, to hear that play, get to the huddle and relay it. And he just, that was just one of those nights. It's it's fun. I mean, you know, unless you're a, a New England fan when he was there, a Tampa Bay fan, it's fun to see Brady get mad. It's fun to see him get animated and see him get blanked and see him put up a, a goose egg every once in a while because it's so rare. What did you think of John Harbaugh going for two, going for the win against the Packers? I loved it. I, I don't care what anybody says. He's down a bunch of guys there. Everybody on defense is essentially hurt. He's down his MVP quarterback. He knows if he kicks the extra point and goes to goes to extra time, the odds aren't in his favor. When you go to extra periods and, and overtime and you don't have your quarterback and you don't have six starters on defense and you're down your left tackle and your right guard and so on and so on, I like trying to go for the win and, and letting it ride. And it's really a gamble at that point. But it's just as much of a gamble going into overtime. Maybe you lose the coin toss. Again, you're down starters on defense. You're down starters on offense. Trying to put the game away there and move on and get to next week. I, I get it. I love it. Unfortunately, it didn't work out this time. But I have the weapon of Justin Tucker. I, like, I can't I, – I have to acknowledge that, that if I get to overtime, yes, if they win the coin toss, there's a great chance they might go down and score a touchdown. But if we win the toss, I still have Justin Tucker to put us up three points and really put some pressure on Aaron Rodgers. So while I'm, I'm, I love that they went for it and John Harbaugh gave his team the confidence that he believed in them, I got a backup quarterback who had one read and he missed Hollywood Brown who was wide open as well. I love Justin Tucker too, but we're talking about a kicker. I mean, we're talking about going to extra periods. You got Aaron Rodgers and a team that's what eleven and three on on the opposing sideline. You've got all kinds of weapons at their disposal. You have very few weapons, like you just said. You're on your backup quarterback going into extra time. I think Justin Tucker's uh, potentially a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest kickers I, I've ever seen. But at the end of the day, I like letting it ride and seeing if you can get out of there with a win in one play, as opposed to having to play an entire an entire another, uh, excuse me another period after that. Are you sold on the Saints having a quarterback going into next season? No, no. The Saints will be drafting, trading, something. Something will happen, but they will not move forward. I, I still, you know, Taysom, Taysom Hill just signed a contract, and it's a great contract to be a weapon and, and be kind of that utility knife that he can play on special teams. He can run down and cover kicks. He can play running back, receiver, quarterback. 
he will be in that system, obviously, with his new contract, but they will be looking for a new starting quarterback for sure. It feels like the Colts are succeeding, but not because of Carson Wentz. It feels like it's their defense and Jonathan Taylor. So how do you, what are they, eight and six? They're playoff caliber team, but I, I just don't know how much can you rely on Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is unfortunately not the quarterback we thought he was four years ago. I mean, Carson Wentz is right now what he's put on tape over the last three years is he's a, he's an average quarterback. Uh, he's not in that top tier of five or 10 guys. He's not in the bottom tier of, of those bottom five or 10 guys. He's right in the middle of the pack. Uh, there's some plays that, that you watch when he plays and th- that pick he threw into to triple coverage kind of near the end of the game. There, there's just some plays you can't make. Yeah. Uh, if you are a top five or top 10 quarterback, fortunately for Carson, they've got an unbelievable defense. I mean, they have some ball Hawks. They have some receivers playing corner and safety, love their linebacker core. They can rush the passer. They can stop the run that offensive line. I just wish that offensive line was there when Andrew Luck was there. It was the, <laughs> the opposite. Um, but they are absolutely thriving with, with, and you know, at, at this point in his career, a very average point in Carson Carson Wentz's career. They're thriving. They're finding ways to win. But as this team gets to the final stretch of the season, as, as they get in the playoffs, he's get, he is susceptible. He, he is um, something you almost have to protect. You, you need to protect his bad play. You need to protect those errant decisions and throws that he's made because they're good enough everywhere else to win a playoff game or maybe two with that running back and that defense. Your Arizona Cardinals were five and two through seven games last season. Then they go three and six. So we've been talking about your Cardinals, and then they go cross country and they get roughed up by the lines. Are we headed down the same road this year? Uh, I am concerned about it. Seeing DeAndre Hopkins on the sideline, I mean that that has been Kyler Murray's blanket of of security i mean there is no doubt when kyler gets in the back in the pocket and he can't quite see what's going on he just finds a way to find deandre somewhere else on the he may have had him on a curl he needs to find him streaking across the field or taking off down the sideline that's been a massive security blanket he's thrown game winners like like the the hail mary he threw against buffalo a couple years ago at home He's on third down. He's consistently found him last week in Chicago on fourth and two. He threw him a go route where he threw an unbelievable ball. And DeAndre made a great catch over the shoulder for a touchdown. That blanket is gone. DeAndre is not coming back. He will not be on the sidelines. He will not be suited up this year, unfortunately. So that is a huge concern. I mean, going in into Detroit and losing to a very hungry Detroit team that wants to make a statement against one of the best teams, the NFC was not ideal. And that was just a blip in the road. But unfortunately, I think the bigger issue outside of losing to Detroit is they lost DeAndre Hopkins down the stretch. This is when DeAndre makes way. And this is when DeAndre makes game-winning plays in December and into January. And unfortunately, now we're going to really see what Kyler's made of. You know, he's lost some guys throughout the year. They lost Chase Edmonds, who they just got back. Um, He lost Larry Fitz. Obviously, Larry, Larry Fitz retired last year. Now, without DeAndre, we're really going to see how great this young quarterback is, and I can't wait to watch him play these last couple weeks. His body language is really bad, though. Like, when things go bad, and you know that, Carson, it's really hard to, like, damn, that's not my fault, but I'm going to get blamed for it. Um, he, he, he's showing blame, and I don't know if he's aware of it, but that his, ba- his body language was bad yesterday. The good news is his body language is not Jay Cutler bad. It's bad, but it could be worse, but no doubt. I mean, when, when, you know, that, that's something, you know, when you look at, how do you, know, you explain Jay career, Cutler's body language? Awful <laughs> with a capital A and the capital W no doubt. I mean, it, it, it's bad. And, and I, I just look back at his short career. He only played one year in college. He only had one opportunity in college to really be the guy and be the leader and be the captain and be the guy that can't have bad language. And then he, he thrust right into the NFL and started week one. So he hasn't had the ups and downs. He hasn't had the peaks and valleys and the adversity that makes you be tough, that makes you put on a, a, you know, a, a winning face and not have a losing face or, or have that bad body language. He hasn't gone through that as a player yet, but it's bad. Um, there's no doubt about it. You can tell his teammates and the guys around him since it. That's something that Kyler definitely needs to work on. I can't figure out the Titans and the Steelers. 
I thought I figured out the Titans because they were beating really good teams. And it comes down to, can Ryan Tannehill win a game for you? I, 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 I thought they had a great game plan running the ball, felt like they were going to dominate the Steelers. And Pittsburgh wins that game. How do you explain that? Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I I feel like they're they're pretty well figured out. Tennessee is is a one man show. It's a Derrick Henry show, and they got away with some wins, and they found a way to win without him those first couple weeks. They found a way to lose to some really bad teams without him since he he's gone down. Um, so they are what they are. I mean, they're a nine and seven team. You know, at the end of the year, maybe they make a, a playoff run. Maybe they can squeak in, but they're not getting past anybody in the playoffs. Pittsburgh. At the end of the day, Pittsburgh's just not very good. They're just really, really well coached. And that organization is that organization for a reason because they do it right year in, year out through their their history. They happen to have, you know, Ben still, you know, he's still a Hall of Famer. He's still one of the best that I ever played against personally. He's at the end of the road. But that team is just so well coached. And, and there is such a belief in Tomlin and his system and next man up mentality. We've seen that through through his tenure. We've seen it through – Coach Cowher's tenure before Mike Tomlin got there, that organization, that coaching staff, the way they're built, even when they're bad, that's a bad football team. There's a couple of good players on defense and a handful of, of pretty good players on offense, but that team is so well coached. That organization is so well run. They're going to win games they shouldn't, and they're going to beat some teams they have no business beating. And then they're, they're because they're not that great, they're going to lose to some bad teams. They're going to get blown out like they did against Cincinnati a couple weeks ago. But that team will find a way to to be a winning team like they have every year since Mike Tomlin's been there. And that's why you wanted Mike Tomlin as the next head coach at USC. Maybe after maybe Lincoln Riley leaves for the NFL, <laughs> then maybe we can get him. I, he's one of the best I ever played against, and I love watching his teams play. But they're just not that good on, on offense or defense, unfortunately. Were, were you treated worse by the fans in Pittsburgh or Cleveland? Pittsburgh, for sure. Absolutely. How so? There's, there's just a hatred. You walk into Heinz Field, there's a hatred. It doesn't matter what jersey you got on. If it's not black and yellow, there's a certain hatred. And you feel it and you love it. And it's a great, great energy. Not that the energy in Baltimore is anything um, to shake a stick at, because I love playing in Baltimore. Baltimore is the most college-like atmosphere. They've got the band. Um, they've got all these festivities. They've got the, the pregame intro where Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs would do their dances. Um, two great, great venues, but there's nothing like, especially when you're an interdivision team and you're playing for the Bengals, Browns, or Ravens, and you walk into Heinz Field, especially on a Sunday night or a Monday night game, against in that atmosphere against those fans, it's like having a 12th defender on the field sometimes because they are so tense and the electricity in that stadium is so great. We've seen some of these quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett's not going to play in the Peach Bowl. And I'm curious, when the playoffs expand to 12 schools, then you're going to have some real hard decisions by some of these players. I, I don't have any problem if, you know, Kenneth Walker doesn't want to play in the Peach Bowl as a running back. Any running back um, you don't want to play or Pickett doesn't want to play. But what's it going to be like, though, when we get to the playoffs and now you're going to be playing in a playoff game as opposed to a, you know, the Peach Bowl? I, I think there's going to be far fewer players tapping out and saying they're not going to play if they're if their team is in the playoffs now if they're in some bowl that just got named last month that we don't know about i i can understand a guy sitting out but as soon as you have a chance to play for a national championship and it is dependent on whether you win or lose that week i think a majority of those guys if not 100 percent of them decide they're going to play and they're going to be there for their team and see if they can win a national championship always great to talk to you carson thanks for joining us talk to you next week thanks dan